morning. Some of you may not know who I am, so I probably should tell you. Uh, I'm Henry Wade. I'm the business administrator here. And throughout this uh, Experiencing God series of studies, Pastor Bill has, uh, is going to allow myself and Pastor Jeff to get to share in a little bit. Uh, so two things get to happen. He gets a little bit of a break, and you guys get a variety. You know? So, so that's, that's a pretty good thing. And, and just in case you didn't know, that, that beautiful woman that led you in worship also happens to be my wife, Michelle Wade. Just in case you didn't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, so now you get a taste of what happened when we plant churches. She did music. I preach. Occasionally she just sings a solo and I just close. <laughs> what a great day to be worshiping our God. Amen. Uh, I want to talk to you today about God centered living. Now, I, I think I've shared this before with you. And, and if not, I want to share it again. No matter what message I may preach or lesson I may teach, they're really for me to learn. And if there's anything left over when we're done, you are welcome to it. Okay? But they're really for me to learn because I'm the one that needs to learn most of this. Do you, would you agree with me that God, God prepared us with a specific design or purpose? Everybody's head goes like this. Very good. Very good. You guys have forgotten about me apparently. I appreciate audience feedback. I hope you have your Bibles with me. Open it to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I, I just want us to look at a couple of verses there real quick. And uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 26 and 27. 26 and 27. When I quit hearing pages turn, we'll... I'm reading to you out of the New King James Version. We have uh, several different versions new king james so then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them See, God did create us with a specific design or or purpose, and he gave us the capacity for moral responsibility. Let's get tested every day, doesn't it? Our moral responsibility, especially in an election year. Man. You see, as as we or, or, or as man communed with God and follow his direction. God's eternal purpose is accomplished through us. And we live in such a way as to bring glory to God. When we do that, we're blessed and filled. I don't know about you, but I kind of like being filled. You know, every morning when you get up and you look outside, God gave you that. God said, let there be light, and there's light. Those of you that are new, I'm sorry, your neck is going to hurt. But he fills us with this glory, and and we're blessed by it, and it's incredible. And, and, And every morning that happens just for you, Solomon. Just for you, Kim. Every morning. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it tells us how man was made. We are made in God's image. 
Now, some of us, I think, are a little closer to that image than others. You know, it's all right, Dwayne. You're all right, buddy. You're okay, man. But what does that mean? What does that mean? If we're made in God's image, it, it means that we are made with a spiritual nature so that we might commune with God. And a physical nature so we could commune with the created world. What else does it 26 and 27 tell us? It tells us why man was made. Why man was made. You see, literally, the phrase in our likeness contains the idea of purpose. That's the reason we were created with a spiritual dimension to our being so that by communing with God and obeying his direction, we can reflect God's glory. If I went to where you go most of the time, whether it's to work or whether it's to a school or maybe it's to the grocery store or, you know, maybe you're like some of the guys and they go to Walmart at 11. Not sure why they just do. But if I was to talk to the people that you're around and I said, do you think that that person, I'm going to leave that name out because I had somebody in mind, but I wasn't going to pick on Warren. Uh, I mean, (laughs) do they reflect God's glory? If I ask that of anyone, you know, will they say, yes, they do. Or will they say they know God? You ever read that book, 90 Minutes in Heaven? Huh, some of you read that book? Now, I haven't got to read it, but I got to hear an interview about it. And, and when they were interviewing the guy, he said that when he got to heaven, every person that was directly involved in him getting there, in other words, his salvation experience and all, were at the gates waiting for him. And I thought, oh my goodness. I think that's a question for the church. The question is, who will you be at the gate waiting for? Golly, you got quiet. You see, the reason we're created with a spiritual dimension to our being is so that So by communing with God and obeying his direction, we can reflect that glory and his likeness. And additionally, we're to lead all of creation to bring glory to its creator. That's 26 and 27. Look with me at chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I'm going to tell you what happened after that. created chapter two then the lord god took the man and he put him in the garden of eden to tend and keep it and the lord god commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die What happened? Man chose to decide for himself what was good and what was evil. He experienced death. Literally, in in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, it means in dying, you will die. 
in dying, you will die. In other words, the instant that man chose to decide for himself (laughs) what was good and what was evil, instead of trusting God to guide him, he placed himself in the role of God. I got to share with you a little something right in there. You know where it says you will have knowledge of of the tree of good and of evil. Some of us think, well, that means that we'll know the difference between bad and, and, and good. What that means is that on this end of the spectrum is good and over here is evil and you will have knowledge of all things between. Man chose to put himself in the role of God. Consequently, he cut himself off from God, who is the source of life. If you remember the Bill Cosby show years ago, you remember what one of his pet phrases were to his children when they were acting up? I brought you in this world. I take you out. I think he put himself in a role of God. God is the source of all life. Amen. Well, you guys got it. Amen. Thank you. Sin entered the picture. Sin entered the picture. Quick definition. Sin is going my way as opposed to God's way. And man immediately died spiritually. He was cut off from God, the source of all life, and then eventually died physically. Romans 6, 23, the first part said, for the wages of sin is death. You see, sin keeps man from fulfilling God's original purpose and leading creation to do the same. Consequently, man condemned himself to living an unfulfilled life. The last part of 6.23, all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I always like to uh, try to reference that great theologian, Charles Schultz. Story of Charlie Brown had his rested his head on his hands while he was leaning on a wall in one story. And he was looking miserable as usual. Lucy approached him and asked. That just sends your mind whirling, doesn't it? Lucy showed up. We're in trouble. Lucy. She said, discouraged again, huh, Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown doesn't even answer. You know what your trouble is, Lucy asked. The trouble with you is that you are you. Well, what in the world can I do about it? (laughs) Charlie Brown said. Lucy replied, I don't pretend to be able to give advice, Charlie Brown. I merely point out the trouble. Thankfully, God's word doesn't just point out mankind's problem. It also tells us of God's solution, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's solution to mankind's sin problem. Through his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, Jesus conquered sin for all mankind. That's enough to get excited over. Somebody asked me not too long ago, they said, can't you stand still and preach? I said, I tried it once, didn't like it. I didn't like it. You know why? Because I'm too, thanks, Dwayne, I appreciate that. Because I get too excited talking about my God. 
We just sang, how great is our God. Our God reigns. Then we need to be able to take that everywhere and be excited about it. Be excited about it. You see, Christ has taken care of the sin problem. But just just as the problem of sin came upon all mankind as a result of individual choices of Adam and Eve, the solution for the sin problem must be received by each individual member of the human race. He conquered the sin problem, but you've got to accept it. Now notice it was Adam and Eve that had the problem, not Adam and Steve. I'm back to that moral responsibility thing. You see, sin is a problem for the entire human race. The entire human race. And salvation from sin can be experienced by each individual who chooses to accept Christ and His payment for our sin on the cross. His payment. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see... I get excited and I move all over the place by the power of the person present inside of me. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can have that same thing. We can be helped to live beyond the power of sin and bring glory to God as he originally intended for us to do. But to do this, we need to learn how to live a God-centered life. There's two ways that we can live our lives as Christians, folks. We can either be God-centered or self-centered. God-centered or self-centered. Now, I've taken this chart out of the uh, Experience in God book that we're getting ready to look at right here because I want us to look at the contrast between two ways of living. Self-centered and God-centered. You see, in the self-centered life, the focus is on self. It's on me. But in a God-centered life, the focus is on God and what He does for us and what He can do for us. In the self-centered life, you're dependent on yourself. The God-centered life, dependent on God. In the self-centered life, you affirm yourself But in the God-centered life, you deny yourself. Self-centered life, you have self-confidence. But in the God-centered life, you have God's confidence. Self-centered life, you glorify yourself. But in God-centered life, you glorify God. Oh, I skipped one, didn't I? I skipped man's approval, didn't I? Sorry. Number five is seeks man's approval, self-centered life. God-centered life, you seek God's approval. Then I just did number six. Let's see if we can do number seven. Are we at number seven? Everybody's at number seven? You never can tell. I may change it. Did you get six? Okay, Fred, let's back up to six. And six, self-centered life, you glorify yourself. God-centered life, 
You glorify God. Number seven. The self-centered life, you look at things from the human perspective. But in the God-centered life, you look at it from a divine perspective. And my favorite, number eight. self-centered life, you have ordinary living. But in a God-centered life, you have extraordinary living. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 from the New Living Translation says, My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours. See, when I live a self-centered life as a Christian, I think my own thoughts and I follow my own ways, which is always lacking in life. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, New Living Translation. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Story is told about two friends. and One walked up to his friend and he said, are, you, uh, are, are your visits to the psychiatrist helping? They already know where this one's going. I don't know if I need to finish it. Nancy, what do you think? Should I finish it? Okay, I'll finish it. Absolutely was the reply. You know, before I sought his help, I was afraid to answer the telephone when it would ring. And now after seeing the psychiatrist for a while, I go ahead and answer it whether it rings or not. He says, sometimes what we think is helpful isn't helpful at all. But when I live a God-centered life, I will think according to the thoughts of God and follow the ways of God, which always leads to life. Amen. John chapter 10, verse 10 from the message. I came so that they have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Take note right there that Jesus gave this promise as he spoke of himself as the good shepherd. It is only as we seek to follow God's direction that we bring glory to God and we know the abundant life that Jesus promised to give. It's a quote I found the other day, and I don't think I sent it to Kim. I apologize. But it says, the happiest people are those who know that what they should be doing and what they are doing are the same things. See, if we're not careful, even in the attempt to know and do the will of God, we can take a self-centered approach. I want to take a look at the two differences uh, between there. First, the self-centered approach is based on achieving it's based on achieving. Let me ask you a question. Who delivered the children of Israel from Egypt? Moses or God? God did. See, God chose to bring Moses into a relationship with himself so that he, God, could deliver Israel. Did Moses ever try to take matters into his own hands? Of course he did. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. We read that, that Moses, is, as a very young man, killed an Egyptian, and then he tried to bury him in the sand. Now, what might have happened in trying to deliver the Israelites in that way? 
I think thousands could have lost their lives. He sought to achieve God's will by thinking his own thoughts and following his own ways. And we know that that mistake cost him 40 years of exile in Midian, during which uh, he got oriented to a God-centered life. Then in Numbers chapter 20, we have Moses being told to speak to the rock to bring water. But instead, he struck the rock. That cost him the privilege of leading the Israelites into the promised land. God is not looking for us to come up with good ideas that he can bless. He is looking to bless those who will seek his ideas. It's one of the themes throughout experiencing God is to find out where God is at work and join him. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 of the New Living Translation said, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Okay, and second, the God-centered approach is based on receiving. Psalm chapter 37, verses 4 through 6 out of the New International Version says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like the noonday sun. My wife likes to read the message. So I figured I'd throw the message version in here too. 37, 4 through 6. It says, keep company with God. Get in on the best. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. See, as we daily keep company with the Lord, he will let us know not only what he wants us to do, but how he wants it done. And as a result, not only can we be a part of his work, but we can live a life that will fulfill his eternal purpose. The purpose of us living to his honor and his glory. Found this article uh, by a gentleman named Rusty Stevens from the Navigators. Tells this story. He says, as I feverishly pushed our lawnmower around the yard, I wondered if I'd finish before dinner. Suddenly, Mikey, my six-year-old, walked up, stepped in front of me, and placed his hands on the mower handle. Knowing he wanted to help me, I quit pushing. The mower quickly slowed to a stop. Chuckling inwardly as, at his struggles, I resisted the urge to say, Get out of here, kid. You're in my way. And said instead, Here, son, I'll help you. As I resumed walking, spread-legged to avoid colliding with Mikey... The grass cutting continued, but more slowly and less efficiently than before, because Mikey was helping me. Suddenly, tears came to my eyes as it hit me. This is the way my Heavenly Father allows me to help him build his kingdom. I pictured my Heavenly Father at work, seeking, saving, and transforming the lost, and there I was with my weak hands, helping. My father could do the work by himself, but he doesn't. He graciously allows me to co-labor with him. Why? For my sake. 
because he wants me to have the privilege of ministering with him and living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest. I want to tell you that that starts with accepting Christ as your personal Savior. When you accept Him as your personal Savior, you are immediately saved from the penalty of sin and you can know you're going to heaven. See, obedience to the commands of God results in life and blessing. I want everything that my God has to offer. But the only way to do that is to be obedient to Him. It starts by accepting Christ, following Him in believer's baptism, allowing Him to be your Lord and your Savior. I don't know if you have done that or not. But in just a moment, I'm going to close in a word of prayer and give you that opportunity. You can either come forward and Speak with Pastor Bill or myself and and we will gladly share with you or you can take that connection card that he talked about earlier and you can fill it on there that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. But let me challenge you and ask of you if you don't have him in your heart I advise you don't leave the building without him because you don't know what will happen in the parking lot. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you just so thrilled that you have allowed us to speak today and that you have brought your will into the house. Father, we've read through the New Testament where Jesus was saying, where where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And we know that you've been here today. And we pray, for Father, for your spirit to come down upon the people this morning. That those that may have not taken advantage of time to get to know you, that they will. And those that maybe have strayed away, they take this opportunity to straighten that line back out. Because if we don't get the vertical right, the horizontal's a mess. Father, thank you for just being a God who gives us this chance. In your Son's name, amen.